0: You know, when I was a kid growing up in very middle-class suburbs of Los Angeles, I was a very enterprising child. I uh, saw at an early age the value of making and having money. I saw the power that it brought into my family of five kids, and I was the middle kid, and always by far the wealthiest of the five. I saw the power, the opportunity that that brought, and I have to say, I probably dabbled in a little loan sharking through my upbringing with my brothers and sisters. But I always just saw that you could make money, and I thought, that's cool. And so I just put my hand, I was the kid with the lemonade stand. It's California. People, (laughs) it's hot. I was the kid with the lawnmower. I was that kid. There was an opportunity to make some money. I didn't see any reason why I shouldn't do it, right? One of my favorite things to do, because it's so easy, was to get my wagon and uh, go along and look for discarded bottles. You know, uh, we call them soda bottles. Yeah, I didn't know it was called pop until I moved to the Midwest. (laughs) So pop bottles, beer bottles, didn't matter. Because the reality was, for the small ones, you could get a penny, a penny. For the big ones, you could get a nickel, Uh (laughs) uh-huh. And uh, so it was quite a, quite a, it was like a no-brainer. Why wouldn't you just go out and pick that stuff up out of the ditch and haul my wagon down to the market basket, which was like the Piggly Wiggly. It was the name of a chain of supermarkets. And pull them on up there, stick them on up there. You can have these, and you know what they did? They gave me money. And I went home with my pocket jingling. That was pretty fantastic. And it was an amazing process to me that those things had value. It was an amazing process that those things that had been thrown away, actually held as they laid there in the ditch a value, if someone would just come along and redeem them for their value. In uh, Today in our summer shorts, this series of shorter messages that I'm bringing for you over the next few weeks, I'd like for you just to think about and try to appreciate in a greater way the word redemption or the word redeem. Redemption is a word that's used in our Bible throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament many, many times. It talks about someone being redeemed or redemption. It usually referred to the process that someone needed to go through in the Old Testament to get out of trouble. You had committed an offense, and this is what it was going to take to redeem you. You will pay this price for redemption. It was typically something that had to happen to absolve a person from their guilt. They'd done something, nobody's arguing about that, okay, what do you have to do now not to be guilty? In the massive number of references I could give you in the New Testament I've chosen today for you just to briefly focus on one verse, Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7. And I know it's not typically my practice just to fix on one verse without developing context and stuff. But I just want you to just focus on this single verse in Him, meaning Christ. In Jesus, we have redemption through His blood in accordance with the riches of God's grace. In Jesus Christ, you have redemption. The Bible says this over and over and over again. Through the blood of Christ... You have been invited into a process of being redeemed, of redemption. And uh, how much redemption is available to you? Well, it's according to what? It's according with the riches of God's grace. So when you're in that state of mind, when you're arguing with God about what a schmuck you are, you know this? Don't raise your hand. And you say, I can't possibly consider myself to be a Christian because of all this stuff that I've been about. Well, then what you have to do is focus on the truth of God's word rather than the message of the enemy. And the truth of God's word is that the redemption that God is offering you is according with the riches of God's grace. The riches of God's grace. God is graciously wealthy. And he has unlimited grace to offer ...in our times of need. In Him we have redemption. We are drawn into a process of redemption... ...where we're redeemed... ...in accordance with the grace of God. In the New Testament... ...the concept of, of redemption... ...is commonly the process... ...by which we get out of our broken predicament with God. So I think we've got it settled by now... ...from reading the scriptures... ...and from observing our own lives... Uh, that we're, broke, we're born into a broken situation. We're born into a broken predicament. That the whole fallout of original sin from the very beginning is that we are born into a world that is dominated by Satan, by our adversary. We're broken, and we're born, under his, we're born into his government, if you will. But because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross we can have redemption from that. We can be released from that. Because even when we're born into this broken predicament, we can see that we still have a hunger for God, don't we? I mean, when you're, before you knew the Lord, you just kept thinking about Him, right? And you thought about eternity, and you thought about, well, what happens when I die? And you thought about all this stuff and tried to sort it out in your mind, probably to little or no avail, tried different approaches, and you wound up back at the same spot because you never escaped the government into which you were born. But because of Jesus Christ, he came and he said, I'm going to, I'm going to rescue you from this predicament and give you opportunity to have a fully restored relationship with the God that you crave. Does that make sense? That's what redemption is. Redemption is the process Of rescuing you from your broken predicament. The word redemption in the concept is unbelievably more than I'm not in trouble with God anymore. That's kind of how it often rolls out in the church these days. Have you been redeemed or are you still in trouble with God, right? You know, because when you're in the predicament, indeed we are in trouble with God. This is the wages of sin is death, and so we're in trouble but because of what Christ did for us on the cross, that he paid a ransom to set us free, then, in fact, we are free. And so not only, not only does the work on the cross, this thing we've been calling the atonement lately, what Jesus did for us on the cross, not only does it square us with God, but it sets us free. And it sets us free to be restored to the glory that God had in mind for us in the beginning. So, I just want you to understand there's a powerful invitation being offered to every one of us in the concept of redemption in the Bible. And it's not just a sin management program, it's not just, well, how can I keep this under control? You know that guy in the video who's sitting outside the strip club and you can, can't you just feel his pain? And it's like, how can I just keep this under control so that nobody knows or or that I can just manage it, maybe never do it again, but still be that same lustful person? And in reality, the process of redemption wants to call you past sin management and out of being a lustful person, out into the freedom of being one who has been you know seized by the lord filled by his holy spirit and dwelt by the word of god and one who is not without struggle but one who substantially lives in victory over the temptations of evil that's what redemption is does that sound okay to you all right well i think it would do us uh, some use to look at the greek background of this word redemption in the bible because um prepare to gasp, but the Bible was not originally written in English. I know, it wasn't even written in American. (laughs) I know. Originally, the Bible was the New Testament. The vast majority of was written in Koine Greek, and so it does us, you know, it serves us well to take a minute every now and then, when we have an important word like this, or a word that really has our attention, and say, what did it mean in the beginning? So that we can then translate it through the centuries and plop it into into our time. And uh, the word a redemption is apolutrosis. Let's say it's kind of fun. Go ahead. It's a loo, and you have to raise your eyes. Apolutrosis, okay. I just give you the Greek word uh, to show off. Because I paid a ton of money and studied for a lot of tests and sucked up to a lot of professors over the years to, <laughs> to be able to do that. And uh, You guys hardly ever seem interested in any of my big words, so I have to throw them out there every now and then, just to, okay then, apolutrosis, it's a compound word, you know, we have compound words in English, you don't have two words hooked together, it's apo, which is used 616 times in the New Testament, it's a very common word, and it means to separate or to leave, so maybe immediately you're thinking of, oh, this is about separation from God, and it is, because the part of our predicament is we're born separated from God. But it's also used very commonly in throughout the New Testament, like, I'm going to leave and go to Galilee. I'm going to apple my way. Oh, I'm going to split. Okay, I'm going to take off. So it's not used in reference to our situation with God 616 times. It's just a common word that means separate, or the issue of being separated. And Lutron is only used three times in the New Testament, two of which are in Gospels which record Jesus in the same same quote. And so it's really only used two separate times. And Lutron means ransom, which I love the word ransom, I think you're probably catching on to by now. The word ransom is to pay a price for someone who's in captivity. And that's exactly what this means. And when Jesus said the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, it's the explanation of this mysterious, spiritual, otherworldly, parallel reality existence in which we live, where we are caught as, as prisoners to Satan, and God has come through his Son, Jesus Christ, and has paid a ransom. So this word This word redemption in the Bible is a combination of these two words, meaning that the redemptive work of Christ on the cross was to pay a ransom for us so that our separation problem would be solved. Does that make sense? So that we're being held in captivity here and God's over there and you're born with a craving to be over there, aren't you? You're born with a huge curiosity about God. That's because he's still in there. The image of God is still in there. And so as the Holy Spirit comes to you and visits you in your captivity, and as you finally wear out on trying to, trying to put to death that craving by all the stuff you do to yourself, raise your hand. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. And you finally give up. Then you come to Christ, and he says, Oh, by the way, here's the door. Here's the big door that I made for you to get out of captivity. And so the concept I want you to just try to embrace is that redemption or being redeemed, is so much more than just being made right with God for later when you go to heaven. But it's about being released from captivity. You've been, a ransom has been paid for you so that you can step out and not just manage your sin, but day by day and by the work of God in your life, become a different person so that person no longer lives. That old person, the old man, as the Bible says, is gone, dies. You just kill it, one cell at a time, perhaps, but you just keep staying in the Lord. How many of you have noticed that when you stay in the Lord, that those behaviors seem to interest you less, and then when you begin to wander away and go, well, whatever, I'm not going to do that for a while, you go, how did I get back here again? The Apostle Peter said, it's like a dog returning to its own vomit. It's in the Bible. It's a graphic image, isn't it? How many of you, though, have done that? You've been out, you've been a pretty good dog walking along, and then you slowed down, you slowed down, you threw up your hands, you explained it away in your mind or whatever, and you circled back and you said, well, I think I'll lick on this pile of vomit for a while again. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Vomit sucks. (laughs) Stop eating it not good for you. You threw it up for a reason. Am I right? You threw it up for a reason. If it was good for you, it would be growing on trees. <laughs> Redemption is about living a full, fully free life. So much more than just getting out of Hot water we were in with God, but rescued for a purpose, to restore, be restored for our intended glory. And it's a process, not an event. It's like with the, with the pop bottles. It's a process, not an event. Four things have to happen with pop bottles in order for them to be redeemed. Same thing has to happen with you. Ask me what they are. The first one is you have to be reclaimed from your discarded state. You have to be reclaimed from your discarded state. I mean, some person was driving along when I was a kid and go, I'm done with this. I have no use for you. You are of no value to me. Boom. Out the window it went. And you have to be reclaimed. Along comes Tommy with his flowing blonde hair. Huh? Flew off. Done, flew away. And I will walk along and go, Well, what was of no value to that guy is of great value to me. Their stupidity is my opportunity, right? And so I would reclaim it from its discarded state. Huh. These lessons have impacted my ministry all of my life. My ministry is about reclaiming the discarded. If you're here and you're broken and you're discarded, you're marginalized, you're stuck in the ditch. Thank you for coming. You're why I'm here. I just put up with these other people. <laughs> they pay the rent. You come. But you ask, start by dis- being dis- being reclaimed from its discarded state. It's in a discarded position. Could lay there forever unless someone came along and rescued, right? Second, well, these bottles are thoroughly cleaned. They don't just refill them on the spot, do they? And they don't just rinse them out. But back in the day, they'd go through this very serious, hot process to, to thoroughly clean them. They they weren't ready, just fresh out of the ditch. They needed a time of cleansing. The blood of Jesus the Bible says, purifies us from every sin. It cleanses us. When you come into relationship with the Father through His Son, Jesus Christ, uh, the redemptive process, a cleansing occurs. Your blood is cleansed. You are instantly cleansed in terms of your standing before God, but then have you noticed there's a process of getting that stuff out of your bloodstream? There's kind of a sin detox, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And so it takes some time. But there's a cleansing. There's a cleansing. Third thing that happened with those bottles is they're relabeled. They're relabeled. You know how the Pepsi looked like, you know, C or something? And it didn't say Pepsi anymore on it. They would somehow sandblast that stuff off of there, and then it would be a clean, new, unlabeled body bottle, and then they would paint the new label back on there. But changed. There's a new label put on a new name put on it. Beloved, if you've come to Christ, the old is gone, the new has come. And, and Satan calls you addict, and Satan calls you this, and Satan calls you that. And God calls you my beloved. you got a new label. you got a new label in Christ. The Bible says if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. You get a new label out of this. So you're not walking as that old person anymore. But you're standing in community, you're standing in life as a, as a reflection of the glory of God because it says Jesus on you now. And then the fourth thing is these bottles were refilled. New product put in. New product put in. Capped up, ready to go. Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? Have you been filled with the love of God? Are you allowing yourself to be immersed in the word of God? Are you inviting God just to fill you with whatever it is he wants to fill you with? This is the fourth step in the redemptive process. Redemption isn't just about bowing before the cross and being set, get your get out of hell free card. It's, it's about a lifelong process of getting free and not being that old person anymore. But being reclaimed and cleansed, relabeled, refilled. And that's what God wants to do with us. That's redemption. I just wanted to expand the concept for you today. I hope that video just speaks to your heart about the possibilities of your life. I hope that you can crumple up that old picture of yourself. Stop identifying yourself as that. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. You might ask, why would God want to do that for me? I'm such a schmuck. Why would God want to do that for me? I was thinking about that this week, and you know, the reason that I could get money for those bottles was because somebody else had already paid a deposit on them when they took them. Somebody I didn't know had already paid for them. And so I just thought, well, I'm just going to go and get their money. It seemed like a great plan. But somebody else had already paid for them. That's why they had value. Because somebody else had already paid for them. Why would God want to redeem you? Because even in our sinful state, he has still sown value into us as his beloved creation. In spite of the fact that he full well knows we're going to be born into a broken predicament, into a broken world, he still sows the image of God however broken inside of us, and there's value inside of you. And you can't sin your way out of that value. Some of you are pretty aggressive sinners. You're getting good at it. But you can't sin your way out of the value. It doesn't change your value. And so redemption is about God coming along. Why would he do that? Because you already have value. You have value inside of you waiting, waiting to be blessed by God and nourished into what he has in mind for you. was really praying about how to say something here today that would really stick with you, and I wasn't really feeling like I was landing on anything until Friday. I love that Jesus Calling devotional. I just love that little book. Does anybody read that? It's amazing. And it's so simple. It's one, it's like this much, and... What Sarah Young has written this 365-day devotional called Jesus Calling. And every day she uses scripture and takes the meaning of the scripture that she lists for you if you care to go look it up, but she makes a statement to you about what this scripture means as though she were God, as though she's taking the first-person perspective of the scripture and saying this to you from the Lord. And it's so enriching. It's so encouraging. And so on Friday this week, I was reading through it as I was getting my day going in the morning, and and this phrase crossed my eyes. On behalf of the Lord, Sarah Young said, I know the worst about you, but I also see the best in you. I know the worst about you, but I also see the best in you. And that's the value. It's invisible to so many. I want you to think of your life here as a band, okay? And here's what I mean by this bandwidth. In the middle, let's call this our public life. So this is, there's, a, there's a certain width of our lives that we live in public, right? And everyone can see. And we go to work, and we have our relationships, and we watch TV, and we drive on 270, and we do all these things, Right? In this public, anybody's free to watch. But outside of that, there are some less public realities, right? And so, let's step outside of that public, and let's call this the good side, because Pat's sitting over here. Okay? (laughs) That right outside of our public, there's there's a private good to us, isn't there? There's stuff that, you know, that we do well. There's stuff... That we do victoriously, and we have many cases of marriages where we love one another and we esteem one another. We have ministries where we do things and, and we live our lives in a kind of perpetual state of hopeful kindness, right? And it's it's private. It's it's not it's it's not anything we announce with trumpets, but it's it's known to some. Well, back over on this other side, just step over the public. And over on this side, because John's here, this is the bad side, right? (laughs) And um, there's stuff that we do, that we do, it's it's not John, okay? There's stuff over here that's unbecoming of a believer, isn't it? We all have it. And it's private. Maybe a few people know about it, but it's nothing that we want to make public. So there's that. And then there's another space over here, just outside the private part, that a few people maybe know about. It's the secret part. It's the secret sin. David said in Psalm 19, he said, forgive me of my secret sins. The stuff that nobody's knowing." And it's secret. And we hate it about ourselves. And we hope to God nobody ever finds out because surely they'd run you out of a place like this. Look around. But it's secret. But as much as there's this secret side of you that you just pray that God will someday conquer in your life, private, public, private good there's also a secret good side of you there's a side of you that it's just good and nobody else knows about it right and you just do it and you don't expect well maybe a little in your marriage you're like man if she only knew how good I was I but you know you're just functioning in a good place nobody knows about it and you're like ah, that's in me too This is the value that God is reaching for to redeem right here. This is the value because he knows you. Yeah, he knows the worst about you. He knows that secret person over there, but he also sees the best in you. When no one else sees it, God sees it. And that's the part that he's breathing into life through the word of God and the power of his Holy Spirit. And that's redemption. Amen. So there's a great song of the church called Redeemed. And um, I might not be the smartest person in the world, but even that one occurred to me. Maybe we could uh, just worship the Lord and respond in our hearts to Him. Maybe some prayer ministry people would want to come up and make yourselves available on both sides to pray for people who would like to... uh, just receive prayer for anything in your life, these people would just love to pray for you with you. If you're a person here who just has a stirring in your heart, you can come to them or you can just move up front here and just worship up close. There's something uh, inexplicably cool about that. I can't explain it from the Bible but stuff seems to happen up here. And so, uh, I guess my encouragement is as you consider the whole concept of redemption that your, your heart will be open to the experience of God just telling you how much he loves you, how valuable you are to him. And if your, your mind is stirred to respond in some way anyway, you know, here at the Vineyard, you're just free to make that response. Okay, hey, let's stand together, church, please.